Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. If you have kids in the pew with you and they didn't get the message, kids are welcome to join Children's Chapel. I promise I'm going to get a bookmark in Chester's Gospel so he remembers to make that announcement. Glory. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. John Legend sings again and again, Glory. The single by Legend and Common was released in December of 2014 alongside the movie Selma. They won an Oscar for the song and for the film about Dr. King and the bloody repression of a march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge from Selma to Montgomery. The refrain of the song is so simple, so repetitive. Glory. Glory. What does glory look like? It's one of those words we say a lot in church, but what is glory? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. What does that glory look like? Would we recognize God's glory? Our gospel is a little awkward about the question of glory. Peter wants to capture the glory of Jesus' new face and the prophets there on the mountain. Let us build dwellings. You can almost see the marketing mind spinning for Peter. Jesus, your face lights up. Moses and Elijah are here. We could charge quite an admission price for this show. (laughs) Peter wants to house Jesus' glory, to keep it there on the mountain. Peter makes plans. And Peter receives what may be the best rebuke in the Bible. Jesus rebukes Peter a fair bit in the Gospels, but this is better. The cloud of God's presence comes over them. From the cloud comes a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, quiet down. It isn't up to you to capture, to house God's glory. Stop talking. Stop planning. Listen. Incidentally, those of you who are coming along this summer on our trip to the Holy Land... You'll travel up Mount Tabor. You'll see the Church of the Transfiguration. There, on top of the mountain where these events supposedly took place, I kid you not, the Roman Catholic Church has built a basilica, a great house. It has three main chapels, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. (laughs) We still don't get it. And when our trip is up there, we'll keep an eye out for low-hanging clouds. How often, I wonder, is God trying to reach us, to call us, when we are too busy laying plans of our own? How often is God trying to show us God's glory and we are distracted? I can joke, but I can understand, Peter. We are a culture obsessed with glory. Look at the way we celebrate a Super Bowl victory. I mean, it was sweet that the Patriots lost, but still. (laughs) Watch the spectacle that will take place over the next weeks for the Olympics. We love looking for glory. We celebrate glory. We make up reasons to bestow glory. I can understand why this vision of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, Jesus' shining face, it might set Peter's cogs spinning. 
don't get me wrong, I love watching the Olympics. But, and it was a fun Super Bowl, but there's a reason why we want to ask, what are you going to do next? And we hope for some answer besides, I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> Something in us is not satisfied by mere human glory. That's not the point. God's glory and human glory, they're not the same. God's glory does not look like our vision of glory. God's glory is concerned with bigger questions. God's glory asks what happens when you come down from the mountain. As they're coming off the mountain at the end of the story we read this morning, Jesus orders these three disciples to keep quiet. Don't tell anyone, he says. And notice, notice what he says next. Don't tell anyone what you have seen until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. This mountaintop isn't the whole experience. Mount Tabor's meaning is incomplete on its own. God's glory has another mountain ahead, the Mount of Calvary. God's glory shines through the cross, through an instrument of human torture and execution. God's glory stands in solidarity with those our society murders. God's glory is found in an empty tomb. God's glory is complicated. God's glory demands persistence. I can understand why Peter wants to stay up there with Moses and Elijah. Today we celebrate one of the mysteries of the faith, the transfiguration. Maybe for you, like for me, for much of my life, this story just didn't connect. Maybe you have strong hesitations about Jesus' face glowing white, being a sign of God's blessing. Many in Holy Communion's congregation have been judged for the pigmentation of their skin. Some of that judgment has come from those who share their racial and ethnic background. I'm going to avoid the words light and dark in this language, in this story, because that language has been problematic in our discussion of race and skin color. Still, I think this story can bring us good news. Because I think, in part, this story tells us what God's glory really looks like. The story of the transfiguration and the quiet Jesus asks from his disciples speaks of true glory. God's glory is quiet. God's glory requires faith, requires persistence. God's glory requires a willingness to come off the mountaintop and down into the mess. Wednesday marks the beginning of Lent, the 40 days which lead us to the cross and the resurrection. Jesus' death was public. Jesus was tried in public and executed in public. Like the public executions of so many dissidents, it was meant to show Rome's glory. A sign proclaimed Jesus king of the Jews, and a Roman governor flexed his power. But the resurrection, it happens in the dark, in the quiet. Jesus appears to those who have faith. He doesn't show himself to the emperor. Jesus doesn't call down the angels and topple the power of Rome. He tells the disciples this morning to keep quiet until he has risen. God's glory is different than our visions of human glory. We have a sign out in front of our church with a quote from Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. 
Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. If you tried to prove the Archbishop right empirically in our world, you'd be hard-pressed. As a people, we often behave as if evil, hate, darkness, and death are stronger. We rely on putting people to death as a means to solve problems. We use hate to win elections. We underfund education and leave children in the metaphorical dark, unequipped for well-paying jobs that could change their families' lives. Goodness, love, light, and life, they don't appear stronger in the systems we have built. Tutu's wisdom could be called foolishness in our world. But goodness, love, light, and life, they are God's glory. We have to be honest about our history when we're talking about God's glory. The church has not consistently pointed the right direction. This month, Frederick Douglass, that great abolitionist and speaker, the escaped slave, he would have been 200 years old. Listen to Frederick Douglass's critique of the church from 1845. I therefore hate the corrupt slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. I look upon it as the climax of all misnomers, the boldest of all frauds. We have men-stealers for ministers, women-whippers for missionaries, and cradle-plunderers for church members. The slave auctioneer's bell and the church-going bell chime in with each other, and the bitter cries of the broken-hearted slave are drowned, in the religious shouts of his pious master. We've talked before here of the complicity of the church and the support of slavery. I've told you that the Episcopal Church had a special set of promises a person held in slavery made when they were baptized. Enslaved women and men promised to obey their masters in the Episcopal Church before they were baptized. This is just one of the many ways the church has participated in, perpetrated, and profited from injustice across our history. But Douglas's words are also poignant because in them you can hear a hope for a different sort of church. Douglas yearned for a church that could represent the meek and lowly Jesus. He hoped for some Jesus followers that could wake themselves from the intoxication of power and stand up for God's glory. Irenaeus, the second century bishop of Leon, about a hundred years after Jesus, he said this, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. Fully alive. God's glory is life, and life in abundance for all of humanity. Too often, our visions of glory have relied upon subjugation, our visions of glory have required winners and thus losers. The church has participated in slavery, racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia. Jesus' movement has been used to perpetrate a way of life that holds some down for the sake of others' glory. We can't forget the history. We can't forget the way that our society has systemically oppressed and the church has participated, forgetting would leave us blind. Or, as common raps in the single glory, justice for all just ain't specific enough. If we are to see God's glory, 
If we are to see all of humanity fully alive, we need to get specific about repentance. We will need to turn from the systems we have created and from which we have benefited. If we are to see God's glory, all of humanity fully alive, we will need to dismantle some of what we thought was glorious. Archbishop Tutu walked with his people through apartheid. He saw them to the other side. He prayed with Nelson Mandela as he came out of Robben Island's prison, and he gave the blessing at the inauguration of the first black president of South Africa. Desmond Tutu has said that transfiguration is more than this story of the mountaintop. It's a principle in our faith. The gospel teaches us that no situation is untransfigurable. No one is beyond redemption. No church, no society, no electorate is beyond saving. We human beings are made for glory, but not glory at the expense of others. We are not made to stand over our sisters, our brothers, our siblings, and look down. That's not God's glory. That's not true glory. We are made to continue the walk of glory, to go down from the mountain and walk among the lowly. We will not see the glory of the coming of the Lord until all God's children, all, are allowed to live their fullest life. God's glory has to go through suffering. God's glory has to wrestle with human systems of power. In the end, have faith. God's glory will win the day. What looks like failure, like defeat, is not the end of the story. Goodness is stronger. Life is stronger. Jesus' story does not end with the cross. I remember when John Legend and Common's song for Selma was released. The lyrics were a bit of a shock. In December of 2014, clergy and protesters were still being arrested regularly here in St. Louis County. And Common had the audacity to drop a line in the Selma anthem. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. What felt so local had a national stage. Man, that was a little awkward for those of us in St. Louis. I hadn't heard glory much since the release of Selma until I was standing this last October in Washington, D.C. at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. The main exhibit in the museum tells the story of the black experience of the United States. You start the journey by riding the elevator all the way down, down to the sub-basement. There you make your way through a slave ship And you continue through the museum, making your way up through slave revolts, the revolution, the Civil War, Reconstruction, Jim Crow, the Missouri Compromise, and the Civil Rights Era. Just before you climb the last ramp, and you see the picture of President Obama's inauguration, just before you return to the ground floor and the bright atrium of the museum, there's an exhibit which covers the recent movements for civil rights. There in that Smithsonian Museum, in the National Mall, they display buttons and banners that read, we will remember Mike Brown. There's a loop of video showing protesters on West Florissant being tear gassed. And the narrator tells the story, and you hear John Legend singing, one day, 
When the glory comes, it will be ours. Until the glory is all of ours, all, it isn't God's glory. Amen. Amen.